This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. Is Western civilization deteriorating into a state of civil war? No one can deny that the United States is in a state of flux. Change is in the air, and none of our political prognosticators can tell us the direction of that change, even though they may pretend to. Two phrases have taken increasing prominence in those political discussions, secession and civil war. Much of this may be loose talk that accompanies uncertainty. However, more sober observers are beginning to say that there might be something to it. It is in this spirit that the Return to Order moment brings you three articles on that topic, all by scholar John Horvat. He examines the nature of the developing conflict in his essay, The New Civil War Over Everything. Many talk of the threat of civil war in an increasingly polarized America. The antipathy of the left for the right has certainly reached a high level of irrationality and vitriol. No area of culture and politics is exempt, as conflicts seem to have sprung out spontaneously over the past few decades, surprising everyone by their intensity, daring, and scope. Once a metaphor, civil war is now considered a literal possibility. However, the standard parameters that define civil wars are absent from the present scene. Such wars take place in time and space. Thus, there should be a geographical location for this conflict. While there are red and blue states, every state is a mixture of the two in varying degrees. This civil war has no physical boundaries. Division is everywhere, even within households. We are two nations inextricably intermingled. Past political conflicts revolved around the burning concerns of the day. Slavery, socialism, labor problems, race, the Vietnam War, and other issues divided America into defined ideological and moral positions. Today, issues like procured abortion, so-called same-sex marriage, and moral matters are highly contentious and passionate. However, these have not yet reached the intensity to spark this conflict. There is a significant division in the country, but it is not centered on burning issues. We can say that the new civil war defines the issues. No single subject provides clear lines of demarcation. There is a general malaise, where the right vents its discontent over the present state of politics, economy, and culture and the left vents its discontent over the present state of politics, economy, and culture. A volatile standoff prevails that appears to have no single root cause. This lack of definition allows some to say it is a civil war about nothing. The more vitriol has risen, writes Politico's John Harris, the less consensus there is about the origins of the anger. Instead of focus... The debate is reduced to explosive political personalities who express but do not define the anger. A growing temperamental incompatibility weaponizes everything. Nothing is exempt. Sports, grammar, education, fashions, lawns, music, or presumably racist mathematics. Discord inserts itself into our daily existence, making life unbearable. Here, indeed, is the central focus of this strife. 
It is a civil war about everything. In a civil war about everything, the issues become secondary. As with a divorcing couple, they can be chosen almost at random. Similarly, in America's new civil war, the target is not a single dire situation, but the systems and social structures that make up our way of life. This is the center of our bitter battle that targets everything, even the most unideological detail. All societies consist of agreed-upon social structures that regulate and organize people to live together in peace and virtue. Structures like traditions, customs, and manners embody principles and engender ways of being and acting. Political structures like governing bodies, hierarchies, and jurisprudence give the nation stability and continuity. Cultural structures in the arts express the spirit of the people. What makes these structures so controversial in our decadent neo-pagan times is that they are imbued with a Christian character. The Christian West embedded moral, philosophical, and religious principles throughout society that tempered the passions unbridled by original sin and built a civilization within metaphysical and supernatural frameworks. This Christian influence is entrenched in countless aspects of our daily lives. What remains of this Christian civilization keeps society civil, lawful, and charitable. As society decays, however, these same remnants, no matter how small or vague, make life unappealing to a maddened left. Thus, America is a jumble of structures, mixing Christian fragments, enlightenment ideas, modern dynamism, and postmodern chaos. It satisfies no one. This inconsistent America is the target of the new civil war over everything. The left makes no secret about its goal. Radical leftists are unanimous in calling for, quote, systemic change. This does not mean the reform or replacement of some aspects of our social structures. It means destroying all structures not informed by the left's ideological utopia. More often than not, the remnants of the Christian order, no matter how tiny, must be eradicated. The flag, patriotism, the Ten Commandments and religious symbols, everything that speaks of God and country must be destroyed. Leftovers from yesteryear's Enlightenment mindset, freedom, progress, science, logic, reason, and identity must go as well. Even some misguided elements on the conservative side, sensing the decay of America's present system, advocate for unbalanced options that deny the Christian ideal. Over the centuries, there have always been some that have challenged the system in America, but they have been at the political margins. They have never commanded that critical mass needed to trigger, much less wage, a civil war. What makes things different now is that large sectors of the left have problems with the American system and its medley structures. Life inside the old structures restrains and frustrates them. Their growing irritation could explode into a civil war about everything. The immense decadence of our society also plays a major role in this irritation. 
The right experiences the restlessness of not living up to its moral standards. The left is impatient to impose its dying revolution on the nation. Both sides resort to simplifications, conspiracies, and hyperbole, looking for a way out of the mess. A general frustration fuels the unnamed anger that sweeps the nation. Not only is there a battle between two sides, but this heterogeneous America has evolved into a place where neither side feels comfortable. People want out of the system, the swamp, or whatever you want to call it. Like individuals trapped in a burning home, many stagger to the exits, gasping for air, seeking relief from smoke and flames. Instinct more than reason drives their actions. In their tortured pain, the confusion of the fire becomes their enemy, not the fire itself. The solution becomes anything, no matter how absurd that offers some kind of relief. The focus should be on tracking down and arresting the arsonists, firing up the debate for their own purposes. It should be directed toward understanding the nature of the fires. These should be riveting questions for anyone intent on avoiding a civil war about everything. Now that Mr. Horvat has discussed the questions related to why a new civil war is possible, now he turns to the process by which it could happen. He does this in his essay, How the New Civil War About Everything Creates Chaos. As mentioned in the previous essay, America is engaged in a new civil war about everything. It is a state of incompatibility where anything can serve as a pretext for strife. In this new civil war, the disintegration of social structures is the key means of bringing about the collapse of the American system. The impatient left targets social structures heavily embedded with Christian and Enlightenment principles, because they are obstacles to the utopian society it envisions. A decadent conservative society finds many of these same social structures burdensome since they impose obligations contrary to modern lifestyles. In addition, many deemed conservative are tainted with modern ideas that make them more difficult to defend. Christians, for example, cannot support procured abortion framed as a modern notion of freedom. As a result, everyone wants to find a way out of the present mess where all feel anxiety and stress. The current discontent is different from that of the past because there is no specific desired outcome. Traditionally, the left has seen history dialectically. Opposing sides, the thesis and antithesis, struggle to produce a synthesis, part of a never-ending process of progress and social justice. However, today's revolution in the new civil war about everything is no longer a dialectical process toward a specific end. Instead, it represents a descent into chaos. This chaos replaces the search for synthesis. Many think chaos will spontaneously generate the left's ideological utopia and rid the world of any remnant of the Christian order. Even some on the right advocate this chaos as an escape from the present dyslexic society. Indeed, 
Since the late 60s, the mechanisms for social change have followed a model that uses chaos, not ideas, to destroy the culture. German-born political philosopher Herbert Marcuse already foresaw this change from process to chaos in 1968 when he said, quote, The traditional idea of the revolution and the traditional strategy of the revolution are out. They are outdated, unquote. Later that year, he added to this, saying, quote, What we have to envisage is some kind of diffused and dispersed disintegration of the system, unquote. Marcuse presented no timeline for this system meltdown. He could not foresee the reactions that delayed the coming of total chaos. However, the time for the system's complete disintegration has moved much closer with the coming civil war about everything. Chaos happens when structures are no longer in place. Thus, this cultural disintegration is a phenomenon that empties, implodes, or collapses social structures that bring order to society. Every social structure might be compared to the destruction of a house. The obsolete processes of decay are like external forces working to destroy or weaken a building structure. On the other hand, the present disintegration resembles internal points of pressure, tension, and deconstruction inside the building, causing it to implode. The first case is easier to oppose since it is an act of clear aggression, and the destruction may be gradual and not total. This attack may even trigger healthy reactions. The second is much more sinister since the diverse and dispersed manifestations of the crisis make it seem so unconnected and spontaneous. However, they are united in their goal. Like nuclear fission, deconstruction is much more powerful because it destroys powerful internal bonds, which, once gone, triggers the system's total disintegration. This destruction of structures can happen in many ways. This internal destruction can be triggered by exploiting areas of tension and heterogeneity inside social structures. Some social structures contain diverse elements that normally coexist but can be made to flare up into strife. Those seeking to find their way out of the system can artificially exploit these points of natural tension. A natural point of division in wood, for example, is the grain. A log holds together well unless someone artificially inserts a wedge to split it. Thus, inside society, there are natural points of internal tension, such as racial, ethnic, or religious differences coexisting inside a unified nation. From a position of relative calm, these disparities can be suddenly and artificially inflamed. The Marxist prism of critical race theory is one such example of the left's efforts to wedge-split an otherwise harmonious community towards systemic change. More complex points of tension are found in social structures with internal contradictions that can be set in motion by activists. Modernity's liberal framework, for example, suffers from the contradiction that allows both unbridled freedom and ordered liberty. For example, 
Extreme individualism promotes ideas that put the individual above the common good, justifying things like procured abortion. When taken to their final consequences, contradictions within these social structures can be activated to create polarizing strife. Other social structures are unified and homogenous in their constituent parts. Strongly cohesive bonds keep them united. The family, for example, is the most fundamental of these units. Its unchanging homogenous elements are a husband, wife, and children. Postmodernity has tried to turn these naturally unified structures into artificially diverse ones by planting the elements of contradiction inside their tranquil constitutions. Thus, the left attempts to turn the family into many possible families that frustrate its logic and purpose. What should be the point of unquestioned general agreement explodes into controversy. Postmodern thought takes this tactic to an extreme by exploiting the natural bonds between parents and their children, subverting parental authority, and pushing criminal efforts to help children become transgender at school without the knowledge and consent of parents. The left does this again when it pushes for so-called transgendered students to be given access to school restrooms and locker rooms different from those of their biological sex. The same applies to such transgendered boys participating in girls' sports. The school's homogenous ambiance collapses. All such efforts of the left create chaos and implode what was homogenous, causing hellish suffering. One final factor accelerates the destruction of social structures in the civil war over everything. This is the introduction of catastrophic events that work together with the points of tension to turn society upside down. Thus, the COVID crisis has served as a huge catalyst to hasten the descent into chaos by calling everything into question, undermining trust in governmental authority, and destroying confidence in science. Likewise, the destructive rioting over the summer of 2020 and subsequent acrimonious elections caused massive anxiety and uncertainty. These events increased the already great discontent with the social structures and the tendency to flee toward chaos. The new civil war over everything is more dangerous than a classical one. It knows no geography but pervades everywhere. It involves opposing sides and imploding structures that create intolerable levels of chaos. It has no defined goal save that of chaos. Thus, few know what to expect or where events will take the nation during this rush to destroy everything. That is why the left's destructive revolution of chaos must be exposed. Chaos brings no solution to America's troubles. Chaos cannot create anything constructive. Only a regenerative return to the Christian moral order can do this. This needed moral restoration of the nation presupposes profound changes deep inside the confused soul of countless Americans. As pointed out in this podcast introduction, Prognosticators on both right and left pretend to know how the current state of discontent will play itself out. 
Some urge us to trust in the resilience of our system, confident that harmony will come as soon as the right people win elections or regain their posts of authority. Others, as pointed out earlier, trust that chaos will resolve itself and generate their new utopia through presumed forces of history. Between these poles are myriad opinions. One such opinion is expressed in the book How Civil Wars Start and How to Stop Them. Mr. Horvat takes a highly critical look at this book in his review, How Civil Wars Don't Start. Everyone wants an explanation for the mounting tension inside American society. Many have even begun to use the term civil war. Barbara Walter presents her book, How Civil Wars Start and How to Stop Them, as that explanation. Liberal pundits gave the book rave reviews, saying it describes what is happening in America today. However, a clear understanding of the problem is not easy to deliver. Unfortunately, this book makes the whole panorama more confusing. Walter's work should not be titled How Civil Wars Start, but How to Start a Civil War. The misnamed book aggravates the current standoff that divides America. It does not explain the profound causes, but rather repeats the liberal narrative that only increases polarization by blaming conservatives for the present problems. It often reads like a leftist playbook on how to discredit its opposition. There are three main problems with how civil wars start. The first is its appeal to authority. The subliminal message throughout the 320-page tome might be, follow the science. In this case, it is political science. The book is overwhelming in its citation of the political science establishment. Readers are assured and constantly reminded that all conclusions are backed up by decades of research focused on hundreds of civil wars. Experts from official-sounding peace institutes in Sweden, for example, testify by crunching the numbers and analyzing the trends. A number-based rating system calculates the likelihood of civil war that indicates how close America is to conflict. The text is not only numbers, analysis, and heavy reading. The author interweaves the highly emotional personal stories of the central characters who appear and reappear throughout the book, telling how their countries descended into civil war. She has met these acquaintances over her years of studying conflict. The insertion of these anecdotal stories makes the text flow and gives it a human touch that data alone lacks. There is nothing wrong with citing data and inserting personal stories. No one disputes that the data does allow sociologists to reach some of her conclusions, but not all of them. In addition, political science is an inexact human science that cannot be determined with mathematical precision. The author omits the other ethical and moral factors that must be considered, she even neglects to define civil war. However, red flags go up all over the place when the scientific data fit too well with leftist narratives and agendas. That is the second problem with how civil wars start. It tries to fit everything into predetermined boxes divorced from real life. 
Professor Walter's universe reduces all conflicts to one cause, the loss of status of a once-dominant group. Conflicts happen when factions form, fighting breaks out when people are left behind, and oppose the modern and postmodern trends of the world. From her perspective, the problem is not the left's agenda that destroys the nation's social fabric and threatens everyone. She argues that the cause is the left-behind opposition and factions. Anyone with strong convictions or principles is consigned to a once-dominant group that feels threatened. Any disagreement with social transformation is automatically a matter of lost status. Universal consensus inside a democracy is the best way to avoid civil war. Below the surface of this reasoning is the class struggle explanation of history with the oppressed rising against the oppressors. Hence, the author accepts the Marxist interpretation of the Russian, Chinese, and other communist revolutions by finding their cause in the status loss of the ruling classes and not the anti-natural ideology that killed tens of millions of people from both the ruling and working classes. Professor Walter's analysis expresses an amoral worldview where there is no right and the only wrong is belonging to factions and left-behind social structures. Sometimes factions enter into horrific ethnic or tribal conflicts that must be condemned. However, it is wrong to insinuate that all people who favor good and oppose evil Fighting for strong principles, morals, or the common good represents selfish interests that oppress others. Thus, one cannot say that opposition to abortion is not a moral position for good, but merely a defense of a Christian-based power structure that is losing its status to an increasingly immoral society. From this skewed perspective, any opposition to communism or socialism is not a principled defense of order, but a status-driven struggle of a decadent and tottering bourgeois class. Such conclusions fit nicely into Dr. Walter's neat little boxes, but they do not correspond to reality. They do not address the concerns of Americans worried about the fraying moral fiber and anarchic direction of the country. Her perspective seems oblivious to any process of social decay. This line of thinking stigmatizes and paralyzes those who stand up for moral values. It amounts to an academic green light for those progressives who seek to overthrow old status structures like morals and install their socialist utopias. With the ground prepared by the political science, the author devotes the second part of her book to applying her boxed conclusions seamlessly to the perspective of an American Civil War. Instead of presenting something original, she merely repeats the dominant liberal media narrative inflaming the nation. For example, the critical race theory method of interpreting American history through the prism of race. In the author's view, America is threatened by a white left-behind minority factionalizing the nation. No other issues matter in this lopsided analysis. It is no coincidence that the book's index mentions former President Trump on no less than 33 pages and the so-called January 6, 2021 Capitol insurrection is referenced 19 times. 
Meanwhile, the progressive groups that held America hostage in the summer of 2020 trashed American cities, declared themselves sovereign as Chaz, and caused $2 billion in damage are hardly mentioned as raw material for a civil war. Black Lives Matter gets five sympathetic references, while Antifa is cited once as, quote, a loose affiliation of left-wing activists, unquote. All the talking points of the left line up nicely with Dr. Walter's boxes. For example, she turns immigration into a racial problem explained by the coming white minority, which irrationally feels threatened by millions of illegal non-white immigrants pouring over the border. This class struggle explanation is the only one tolerated. Immigration segues into ecology. She warns that the world will soon be moving into a, quote, unprecedented period of human migration in large part due to climate change, unquote. Over 140 million so-called climate migrants can be expected and need to be welcomed from the third world nations by 2050. She calls for regulation of big tech and social media, despite the bona fides liberal orientation of these companies. Quote, Open, unregulated social media platforms turned out to be the perfect accelerant for the conditions that led to civil war. Unquote. Thus, a cancel culture on those opposing leftist narratives is the only way to stop wrong messages from proliferating. America needs, quote, an independent and centralized electoral management system, which would establish a standard procedure for designing and printing ballots and tabulating votes accurately and securely, unquote. The organic system that has served the nation for decades is suddenly questioned, and she presents Canada as a model. As might be expected, Government involvement is the only secure way to avert civil war and restore confidence in democracy. Thus, a Build Back Better program of social safety nets, investment in education, health care, increased minimum wage, and social programs will outbid the promises of the extremist and lead to better times. Just in case that does not work, the government should, quote, arrest, prosecute, and seize the assets of insurgents, making it harder for them to operate, unquote. Such a ridiculously flawed indictment does not stop civil wars. It incites them. Civil wars don't start because of left-behind social structures or strong factions. They begin when unifying principles and moral rules break down. People cease sharing the things they love in common. Professor Walter's cold and secular vision excludes God and a moral law. It has no unifying principle beyond maximizing the license and pleasure from the unbridled passions and resisting the beneficial restraints of ordered liberty ordained by God. When conflicts arise, the left uses class struggle narratives to blame social structures rather than personal responsibility for evil choices. Indeed, 
Civil wars start when society finds itself morally decadent and with weakened organic social structures like family, community, and church that provide harmonies, stability, and unity. Thus, a much more effective way to stop civil wars is through a moral regeneration of society, based on traditional church teachings and proposed by Our Lady at Fatima. Wars are, after all, the punishment for sin. Nothing can shatter the unity of a virtuous citizenry, upright leaders, and a God-fearing people. However, all such solutions are outside of Professor Walter's neat leftist boxes. This concludes, Is Western Civilization Deteriorating into a State of Civil War? Thank you so much for listening. Return to Order, of which this podcast is only a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating with the service through which you are listening to it. Increased subscriptions and high ratings mean that more people will be directed to the Return to Order moment when searching for new podcasts. So, by rating us, you can help Return to Order be more effective. In addition... Subscribers gain access to all the previous episodes of the Return to Order moment. We would also like to recommend the book, which spells out our motivation behind our work. Mr. John Horvath's book, Return to Order, is available as a free download through our website, www.returntoorder.org, or in printed and recorded form through our bookstore. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2022 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family and Property, TFP.